So we're delving into a topic, kind of a chicken or the egg. Did genetics exist 20, 30 years ago that could have gotten today's yields and we just didn't know how to manage them? Or is it that we have gotten so good at fertility practices, we've essentially brought everything along with it to get these yields? Kevin Matthews, one of the founding fathers of Extreme Ag, Jason Ruth Nature's, I posed this question off camera and I said, you know what? This is just a thing that I'm thinking. Let's maybe share this with our listeners and viewers. All right. We know we're getting huge yields now. You didn't used to get them 10, 20, 30 years ago. And then I'm like, well, well, you've got the ability now, Kevin, to go out on your farm and use products like his late season. We just did a video recording about putting stuff on at R5, fertility at R5, crazy stuff. Is that the reason that we have what we have? Were the genetics always there and the ability to use the fertility, the fertility products have gotten better? It's kind of like, which thing is the reason? And maybe it's all of them, I don't know. I think, I think the genetics has been there because if you go back 30-plus years ago, Francis Childs broke the world record at 442 bushels an acre in Iowa. And uh, he had extremely good soil there and good environments. And he he perfected that. And so he proved to all the world that 200 bushels is no longer the problem. Right. You know, we, we, we can do better. The issue is is in the soils that we have and other areas of the country that are not as favorable, then we need a lot of help to get up on them hurdles. And I feel like in the last um, 15 years, and especially the last five years, the ability for, you know, our, our seed genetics has improved. There's no question drought tolerance has improved, and it will continue to improve. But the fertility side also, the equipment side, there's so many of these little things, and there's one thing at Extreme Ag is we all focus on and we really push. There's no silver bullet. There's no one big thing. It's all the little bitty things that add up. Talk a lot about the, uh, you know, Kelly's the first one that he started talking about standing operating procedure or grower standard practice. You guys talk about grower standard practice, grower standard practice. Once it's been a trial for a couple of years and it makes you a, a return, now it becomes grower standard practice. The stuff that we're doing now compared to a decade or so ago, two decades ago for sure, might be the reason we're getting here. But then it makes me wonder, because you're the fertility guy. These plants are producing 250, 270, 300 bushel corn. If you didn't go out there and feed it late season, you wouldn't. It's kind of like it's it's now we're showing that we can do it. But if you don't get out there late season, it doesn't have what it needs, right? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, so Kevin mentioned on earlier, you know, here in our soils in North Carolina, we got a very, our topsoil, we got a very narrow topsoil. I mean, a lot of times we sometimes two, two, four inches, you know, what we're looking at. And so we uh, we always had this mentality, we'll feed, we'll we'll give for the fertility to the crop what we feel like the land can produce. Yeah, we have to manage the plant. Yeah, you got to manage the plant. And so that's the thing now. So, okay, let's fast forward. That was with dry. That's we did a lot of that. Now we're fast forward into where we're at now with our yields, our genetics, and things like that. So now we're actually now reallocating products. We're actually putting the, the product where it should be. We're feeding the plant, not necessarily concerned about, we are concerned about the soil profile, but we're feeding the plant that's going to give us the yield. So we're actually doing foliars, we're doing side dressing, and we're trying to get it in that, you know, 12-inch, you know, 6-inch range right early inside the plant. So that's where our recovery is on this. Now you're you're reallocating your reference and taking. I'm gonna take fifty dollars from pre-plant and I'm gonna put it towards the end. Of Let's just move it to the plant when the plant really needs it. Yeah. Whenever it's, it's actually putting our yield on. So coming back to that, as Tommy says, we're relocating. 
Yeah. Relo we said reallocating. You're saying relocating. Yep. I like it. So back to the chicken and egg scenario. Okay, maybe the genetics were there, but it's kind of like one thing came with the other. You know, mm -hmm. the, the the better fertility products, the better equipment and understanding about how to apply it late. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of like it, it all goes together. Which one do you think is the most critical one? The equipment, the fertility products, or the genetics? I think it's all the above. I, I think when you start trying to put all the weight on one, you lose focus of the other. Uh, it, you know, it's it's just like a ball game. You you can play really good that first quarter, and you can play decent that second quarter, and you can go into halftime with a big lead. And and well, uh, and look, left by the third quarter, you're wondering what game's playing. You know, it's like halftime. We team. do that. Yeah, yeah. Or the team go. Yeah. You know, I'm also kind of thinking uh, when he talked about the who's the, the record setter, Francis. Yep. Uh, Francis Chow. Chow. And that was 20 years ago. That was over 30 years ago. I was in high school, and uh, it, I'll never forget uh, reading the Farm Journal and Progressive Farmer and had his picture on it, and I was, I was actually picking corn. We was picking 170, 80 bushel corn, which was really good corn back then, and, and uh, dry land, non-irrigated, and I was like, yeah, my combine, I didn't, my truck won't hold that much. I mean, my straight truck. We talked about the size of green beds that we had yeah. back then. So anyway... I think the chicken and egg scenario is kind of a cool thing. Get me out of here, Jason. Chicken and egg, you know, it, it's a fun question because we obviously don't know the answer which one came first, but we know that both of them matter. We need both. Fertility products, we need the application equipment, we need the technology to put it where it needs to be. Relocating is a great term that Tommy talks about, relocating those nutrients, and obviously the genetics. It seems to me genetics are the least limiting factor moving forward, if I had to guess. I no, I don't... I think it you got depends on your location. Yeah. For us with our heat stress and our drought stress, and we're getting so many more products to help attribute success to that. But the genetics, they just keep getting better genetics. We're learning more about the stature of the plants. And and that comes back to it's the it's the full ball game. You know, it's it's the full package. And when we get so tunnel vision and put blinders on and we're only looking at the planter or only looking at the sprayer. They still people that don't even calibrate their sprayers. Well, then you're wanting to put a quart of something out there or maybe two ounces of something, and your sprayer's never been calibrated, and it's off 30%. Yeah. Well, then you just you didn't put that quart. And they're not satisfied with the results to get. Oh, you get calls about Oh, yeah. Hey, I didn't get one. Yeah, well, because you didn't have a calibrator. <laughs> Sorry, get me out of here. Chicken or the egg? What do I need to know? So at the end of the day, Kevin hit on a lot of things. You brought up a lot of good topics. We need to do what we when the seed hits the ground. Game on. Yep. Seed hits the ground. Now we got to really focus hard and push that crop all the way through. We got to get the right amount of phosphorus in that seed, get it up to that point. Okay, now we got to start looking at potassium and phosphorus, micronutrients. Our start to finish program, we got a really good program that takes every crop that we have from the time the seed hits to harvest. So start to finish. And I like the idea that if you weren't trying to do something at that R5, that last, that might be 10, 12 bushel difference. So it could be five or six percent yeah, difference, right? Yeah. The the last um, we just had an extra round on pork, Carl. Yeah, I, I was reading something the other day. Uh, they had done some research on, and from R four to the end was over two bushels per day that you're adding to the yield. Say that again. From R four on there the, to the finish yeah. line, you're adding four. You're adding two bushels per day. Okay, on yeah. average, and that could be. Ten more days. Oh, that's longer than that. Twenty more days. Yeah, yeah, could, be, could be forty. Could be forty yeah. bushel. Yeah. Oh, easy. Yeah. And we we seen it the first time, and we thought it was a fluke. Yeah. And now we've been able to replicate it, 
and now we're trying to figure out, okay, well, I did that R4. Now if I do this R5, you know, how, what am I going to do? And you're seeing the similar stuff? Yeah. His name is Jason Worley with Nature's. Uh, his name is Kevin Matthews with Extreme Ag. And we're talking about the chicken or the egg. The point is, uh, which thing came first, high yields because of the genetics or because of the application equipment or because of the fertility? The point is, it's kind of all three. And you know what? It's a fun thing to ponder. But the reality is, if you can package it all together, and that's what we're trying to do here is, you know, show you what we learn on the farmers of Extreme Ag's trials and then bring it to you. Tons, hundreds, hundreds of more videos like this. If you haven't shared them, uh, please do so with someone that can benefit from them. That's what our purpose is. Till next time, Dave Mason with Extreme Ag coming to you from a field with some guys that are talking about some, you know, pretty cool stuff.